The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. Are going higher indeed, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Marie Early. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. How are you guys doing today? Good. I had to get a drink. I don't hear anything. <laughs> I got my ice shaker. Ice shaker right here with my cardio miracle in it. Jerry? <laughs> I just finished working out. Jerry? I don't know where Jerry yes. is. There he oh, is. Okay. What you doing, Jer? <laughs> oh, you know, just hanging out, making phone calls. Making phone calls. Have you got Have you got Vaughn, Dr. Vaughn on the line? For some reason, it's not going through. It's, <laughs> it's not giving me any kind of anything. Well, why? Huh, okay. that's weird. Well, so in the meantime, me... all right, well, you go, you go ahead and try to find him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to try not to cough. Hold on a second. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. I Do just I worked need to out. Take over? I just got off my. Oh, Lamont, never mind. He was there. My Lamont spin bike. Yeah. It worked. All right. You there, Vaughn? How are y'all doing today? <laughs> We're on a little delayed <laughs> start here. Yeah, it's okay. You know uh-huh. what happens. We're live, and that's that's cool, yeah. as you know what. Um, I love being live on radio. There's nothing like it in the world. I don't think there's a drug. Do you think? What do you think, Vaughn? Jer, Mayor? <laughs> I'm still getting used to it. You're still getting used to it? Yes. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, you, it, I love doing something that scares me every single day. I, I love the adrenaline rush. I just love, and I love having a voice and trying to represent the other voices, people that are out there, their feelings, and uh, what, they want to, uh, what they want to express. That's right? why like, I got into <laughs> theater and acting and doing all that stuff. Yeah? Because I agree. There is no, there is no better drug. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no business like show business. <laughs> no business like show business like no business like no. And there's not, like, but except for wh- therapy, <laughs> which is what we're talking about yeah. today with Von Eaglin. Let me introduce Von, and then we're gonna go, Von. I'm, I'm hoping you and your family and your little boy might come to participate in a Guinness World Record uh, ice shaker. Chris Gronkowski. I think the whole, uh, the whole family will be yes, there actually. Very um, family friendly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Ice Shakers trying to break a world record um, this weekend, benefiting the Dragon Youth Football. You used to play football, uh, Vaughn, yes, right? College ball. You were a big stud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to be. I tried to be. <laughs> I remember being in a store about I don't know about six months ago, and I was talking to someone about the show, and I said something like, "Yeah, Von Eaglin." He goes, "Von Eaglin's on your show." And I'm like, yeah, he's a, been a regular for a long time. He goes, oh, man, I love that guy. And this was a dude, bro. He was, like, totally gushing dude, on you. Bro. <laughs> because dude. of football? <laughs> because of the football. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Because he, you used to play college football for the University of Houston. Who, who did you play for? North, North, North Texas just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I in junior college, in Tyler Junior College. Yeah. So. But, uh, but, no, I really enjoy working with athletes. And um, a lot of people know that I work with the Dallas Mavs. And, uh, but I've worked yeah. with athletes all over the all, all over a range from different sports and different levels. And so just really enjoy that. 
Well, I um, you know, and, and football. I love football. I can't, you know, Sundays are my favorite time in this. This in the fall, like on Sundays, it's one of my busiest days as far as content. But I always try to squeeze in at least a couple of games. And Marie, I'm going to let you do the introductions because it's on your computer and it just I couldn't uh, get in it. I don't know your password. Well, so okay, <laughs> so Ice Shaker is having an event this Saturday. It's four to seven at the Dragon Stadium. In South Lake, Texas. And, and we will be trying, there. And they are trying to break the Guinness World Record for the most protein shakes it made at one time. Mm -hmm. And you buy a ticket, wow. it's uh, $20, and half of that goes to the uh, Dragon Football, Youth Football. But you also get an ice shaker, which is $35 yeah. value. And I love, I mean, I use my I ice shaker right every here. day. But anyway, they're looking to th uh, get over 615 people to break the record. Yeah. Um, and they're going to have a lot of kids, like, punt, pass, and kick competition with prizes and a 40-yard dash, uh, vertical and standing long jump. So it's going to be a lot of fun for yeah, the whole family, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna we try. To, we're gonna be part of that protein shake drinking thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can't wait, uh, Vaughn. You, you and your wife and your son. Uh, you want to think about coming and telling Dewan or anybody else uh, in your circle uh, to participate. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and it's all for uh, youth sports, which of course we know is so beneficial to children for their overall mental health and well-being. So, yeah. Yay. Now that I know <laughs> that you can break, that there's a random Guinness World Record for everything, I want to yeah. break something. Well, yeah. Well, we'll be a part of this one. Yeah. And it'll help you be a better individual so you can stay married longer, which is what we're talking about today, kind of, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> what to expect from couples uh, a therapy with Von Eaglin. And so Dr. Von is Dr. a- Dr. Von. Dr. Von. Gotta have it. I know. You're so predictable. <laughs> But I love it. Got to have that. Uh, consistency is one of the keys to success. So I love that. But Dr. Von Eaglin is a licensed professional counselor supervisor at Preston Place Counseling in Dallas, Texas, and serves as a mental health consultant for the Dallas Mavericks, as Dr. Von said, on the uh, Dallas Mavericks wellness team. So he sees a wide range, including couples, individuals, and families. His specialties include men's issues, anger management, athletes, adolescents, young adults, abuse, depression, anxiety, and multi cultural clients, just to name a few. He has uh, previously taught as an ad adjunct faculty member at Southern Methodist University, as well as the University of North. Uh, Dr. Eaglins, uh, I'm hoping that's not a typo. Is, is it the University of North and not North? North Texas. Texas. North Texas, North Texas. Yes. okay. The Texas right. was missing. I, you I know, know. I, I don't know why that happened on the outline, but the University of North Texas, Dr. Eaglins' research focuses on developing a new approach to couple relationship dynamics, and you can find him at vontalkstherapy.com or follow him on Instagram at dr.vontalks. Always a pleasure. Today we're talking about what to expect from couples therapy. Um, and should you date your ex if we have time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One time a little more juicy to know that. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm the, the, the ex thing is really. That's course, the one that right, made him giggle. Yeah, and I have two exes, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. They both live in Texas. And they both live in Texas. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, actually, Juan just moved to Florida, so he's no uh, no longer officially a resident of Texas. He's a Floridian now and not a Texan. But, Vaughn, you've said in the past that couples, all couples, should begin therapy before they have issues. Does that happen very often, or do they usually start therapy when they're already on the verge of breaking up? 
Yeah, well, most couples start therapy, uh, and this is statistically, they start therapy about six to seven years after they actually should have started therapy. So it's like they uh, have relationship issues, communication difficulty, and they go uh, about their way, you know, for, for many years. And I liken it to, you know, having a wound or getting shot going into an emergency room about six or seven years after you actually should have gone. And you've been walking around on something that, that could have been healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oftentimes, couples should come before a lot of the challenges hit within the couple relationship because each relationship will have a unique set of challenges. And we've talked about this before, that the majority of issues in couple relationships are perpetual. So, again, when you're with somebody, you select a certain set of issues for the long haul. And by and large, uh, many people wait too long, like we're already on the point of breaking up. In fact, sometimes I say I specialize in last-ditch marital or last-ditch couples therapy Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes they come in uh, whenever it is dire, uh, whenever the situation is dire. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I have a daughter getting married in January, and uh, and a lot of people, I think, should take this idea and run with it. I gave them couples couples therapy for their wedding gift. That's their wedding gift from, from me <laughs> because I want to be sure they stay together. So if they do have grandchildren, if I do have grandchildren one day, that they don't end up in a split home. I think it's really important, the family unit. You know it too, Vaughn, the importance of that stability that it gives to children because divorce can be so ugly. And so, yeah, that's what I gave my daughter for a wedding gift. What do you think of that? Well, I hope she appreciates it, you know. Oh, yeah, she does. They love it, by the way. They both love it. They are, like she said to me, uh, and I don't think she would mind me disclosing this. She said, Mom, um, and she's got an older uh, doctor who's been doing this for a really long time. um, And she said, um, she said, Mom, it's given both of us so many tools, you know, to put in our toolbox to always be able to work things out, you know. Because that's, that's, that's excellent. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, you know, and, and who of us don't need more tools in our toolbox, right? Especially when it comes to relationships. They are so difficult. And I feel like they've gotten more difficult than ever with social media and outside influence and just all the chaos that our world seems to, you know, put on us and, you know, give us so much anxiety, uh, which leads to, of course, disruption, which leads to arguing, which leads to divorce, <laughs> right? Or it can, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And so I think couples therapy, in my mind, oftentimes shines light on certain issues that mm-hmm. need to be discussed, uh, expectations that may be unrealistic. I mean, my wife and I, we went through three sets of couples relationship uh, therapy. One was in a group setting, one was at a church, and one uh, was uh, one-on-one with a, with another therapist. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I still acted a fool, even six years in. And so, <laughs> so it's really important <laughs> that you address a lot of these issues up front because your relationship is going to change over time. You know, who you married yeah. today that's going to be a totally different person, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now um, in terms of life circumstances and a lot of experiences they've been through. Fundamentally, though, you want to, you want to try to make sure that you uh, marry someone with good character uh, because that is the most important decision you will make. And so mm-hmm. couple therapy and gifting them couple therapy, I think, is something that um, for the long haul and the happiness within their life, uh, definitely necessary. Mm-hmm. And you said you're still six years in and you're still, is that what you said? You're doing well, couples yeah, therapy? I said, I said, I said, well, here's my, here's, the point that I was making is that although my wife and I went through three sets of couples therapy, mm-hmm. she probably, the first six years of our marriage, she probably had, she was well within her right to say, you know what, this is not working out. Let's get this thing a no. He's stupid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't act, you know, I mean, he has some difficulty in terms of communication challenges, mm-hmm. being hypocritical, things of that nature. And so what I'm saying is that couples therapy in my mind oftentimes helps couples gain awareness because we all have blind spots oh, and yeah. these blind spots can lead to, um, to 
much more relationship difficulty. For instance, mm-hmm. I didn't understand what my childhood wound was when I first, you know, married my wife. Though that childhood wound manifested uh, in a lot of ways that created a lot of chaos and difficult conversations and me being condescending. And I was doing that unbeknownst to me. I, it was a blind spot, so it was unintentional. But couples therapy allowed me to address some of those things mm-hmm. um, in whatever that childhood wound was so I didn't have that spillover effect within my relationship in the present. Yeah, well, I think there you should get like quarterly, almost like an inspection on a car or something like. But you know, uh, you know, go, <laughs> I mean, I know you don't get your car inspected every four months or three months, but but you go like for a maintenance, uh, you know, like check your oil, check your wheels, right? Like every, right. I don't know, every three or four months, it go as a couple uh, and and make sure everything's okay because should you come don't... with an eyesight test and a hearing test. <laughs> well, you know how people, well, some people, not all people, but a lot of people uh, are afraid to speak up because they don't want to rock the boat, right? So it's a good time to, to speak up. I want yeah, to know so, I mean, if, if everybody has a childhood wound. Uh, the answer to that would be yes. I mean, no one has a set of perfect parents, even though many of us have good parents and some not so good parents. Uh, but everyone has some degree of challenge within their childhood. Um, and you can't get away from that. Even if one person believes it wasn't a challenge, it may have been a challenge specifically mm-hmm. to that person or the way they perceive it. Uh, but again, based on that, oftentimes, and this isn't a model therapy, so this is a premise of, I just did a couple's workshop this weekend, and this was the premise of, we had about 80 people out, and as we helped them process their childhood wound, in a model therapy, they believe that you are unconsciously attracted to the person who looks like they will heal your childhood wound or your childhood challenge. Inevitably, mm. though, they will end up rewounding you or challenging you in the exact same way. So it's oftentimes it's like, you know, the thing that triggers you, the thing that is really attracted, that you're really attracted to, it's like, you know what, something about that person, I was just this unconscious yearning and attraction, like I just want to be with this person all the time. Oftentimes that may be because perhaps that that person triggers a childhood wound or a childhood challenge that you experience because mm. uh, unconsciously, if I can get from my partner the same thing that I did not get in childhood, then it kind of finishes off this unfinished business within my mm. psyche. Hopefully that's mm. not too, too much of an abstract idea. No. But when again, we come, if I can get from up, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, when we come back from break, I, I'd love to go talk a little more about it and maybe give us an example so everybody really understands what we're talking about here because this is cathartic. It really is for so many people that are suffering that maybe can't afford to go to couples therapy right now, but you can give them some tools today, Vaughn. So we'll go to break. We'll be right back. More coming up with Dr. Vaughn Eaglin. Uh, stay tuned. You're, you are listening to One Life Radio. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at oneliferadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, barricade. <laughs> We've all heard the mantra that vaccines are safe and effective, but is it really true? Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth is an in-depth review and analysis of the science on vaccine safety. By the time you finish reading, not only will you see the answer clearly for yourself, you will also have the scientific references and quotes at your disposal that prove it. More than 1,200 of them. From mainstream scientific papers and textbooks to official government publications and vaccine manufacturers' documents. Whether you are new to the vaccine debate or a veteran seeking a deeper grasp of the science, Turtles All the Way Down Vaccine Science and Myth is a must-read. Now available on Amazon. 
more than a decade and a half, John Hewlett has been on a journey to share the miracle of nitric oxide, bioavailable vitamin D3, and other essential vitamins and nutrients with the world. His focused research and study during those years inspired him to create Cardio Miracle, formulated with over 50 of the finest ingredients, working in synergy to support optimal sustained levels of nitric oxide. Visit CardioMiracle.com to read John's amazing story and learn about the health benefits of nitric oxide. That's CardioMiracle.com. For your heart, for your health. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Dr. Vaughn Eaglin. Uh, he's a PhD and he is a licensed professional counselor, supervisor at Preston Place Counseling in Dallas, Texas, and serves as a mental health consultant for the Dallas Mavericks wellness team. He sees a wide range of, of, of people, including couples, individuals, and families. He specializes uh, in men's, uh, men's issues. Anger management, athletes, adolescents, young adults, abuse, depression, anxiety, and multicultural clients as well, just to name a few. He as uh, he as previ- has previously. Uh, this, there's another typo. Really? Yes. He has previously taught as an adjunct a faculty member at Southern Methodist University as well as the University of North Texas. Dr. Eaglin's research focuses on developing a new approach to couple relationship dynamics. You can find him, him at VonTalksTherapy.com. That's VonTalksTherapy.com. Or follow him on Instagram at Dr. Von Talks. That's Instagram, Dr. Von Talks. Okay, so Dr. Von, right before the break, you were um, you were talking about childhood, childhood trauma. trauma and that everyone has childhood trauma. I would agree with that based on my life experience thus far and uh, just everything that I've read and people we've had on the show. And so can you give us a good example of what that, uh, uh, an example of childhood trauma, what it would look like and what it would look like if you carry it on into adulthood? Oh, well, I, I want to change the language uh, surrounding our argument right here, and that is not – I don't want to use the word trauma because not everyone may believe that they experienced, quote-unquote, trauma in their childhood, but they were challenged. And the way they were challenged will shape how they relate to adults in their adulthood. And so oftentimes you will receive different messages. I like to say it may be a childhood wound. That's just the wording I like to use. Okay. Uh, challenge sounds a little bit better. So uh, let me use my personal example, and then hopefully this can uh, help you understand how this may apply to you. So the personal childhood wound, the challenge that I experienced, because you heard me talk about how I grew up in an athletic family. I was really the, the, the thick kid on the block. They had to buy me husky pants and get them him because I was just so short and squatty and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. So, the ch- so the message I received, over and over and in various situations was you're inadequate, you're not good enough. And because I thought to myself that there was a belief that I'm not good enough, that's the thing that oftentimes pushed me forward. Like I would use that to motivate me to do things. Mm -hmm. I need to feel worthy. I need to feel good enough. Therefore, I will seek love in this way. Therefore, I'm going to compete in an activity in this way because it's always this idea that I'm inadequate, I'm inferior, I'm not good enough. And so... Mm -hmm. Consequently, further down, in, you know, uh, whenever I get married, whenever I experience a situation or a, a, a conversation with my wife, I would sometimes unintentionally make her feel inadequate. Uh, now, it's not something that I was doing and I was aware of, but there were times that I would be condescending or that mm. I would say things to make her feel less than 
or mm-hmm. come across contemptuous, like I'm better than you in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Now, again, this was on an unconscious level, but your childhood challenge will influence not only how you interact in a relationship, but who you select as a partner, mm-hmm. because that wound oftentimes, like we said right before break, you will unconsciously be attracted to someone who looks like they will feel or heal that childhood wound. Oftentimes, they will, will uh, mm-hmm. re-wound you in the exact same way, and that's inevitable. And so, but again, that is model therapy. That's one form of therapy. I mm-hmm. find that whenever I use that form of therapy with clients, I get, I mean, there's a lot of, I get a lot of bang for my buck because mm-hmm. when a client can reconceptualize their partner as a child, oftentimes it's easier to be empathic. Like, oh, you know what? Because it happened to you in childhood, it makes sense why you do that here in the present. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes it's a little bit easier to be empathic with your partner when you reconceptualize them as a child. Like, oh, okay. Then it puts context around the behavior. Like, oh, I right. understand why you're doing this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, oh, you're just, you're just acting that way because something's wrong with you. It's like, oh, no, right. you experienced this, and that's why you treat me like that, or that's why you get uh-huh. triggered by this, or that's why you see me this way, or, or that's why we have these challenges. So hopefully um, that explains a little bit about it, Clint. Yeah. What provoked um, you to move that, that childhood wound out of your subconscious, if you will, and bring it to full consciousness where you were aware Ooh. of it? Oh, you're getting, you're getting deep on me right here, Bernadette. Uh, this is, <laughs> Take uh, me out in the deep I water. Know. Wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, so I, w- I would say that, uh, uh, several factors were necessary. And, again, I'm talking about my own personal relationship. I do believe that there are some things you can take from that for yourself. Uh, so let me just preface it with, by saying that first. But I would say, number one, you have to have a degree of safety and vulnerability, and that starts with trust within your relationship. Because mm-hmm. without safety and vulnerability, because there's a part of the brain, let's just bring it to science, there's a part of the brain, your amygdala, that is responsible for fight, flight, or freeze. And whenever mm-hmm. you experience fight, flight, or freeze, it means that the, the environment is unsafe. Anytime you're expanding that environment, when my partner walks in the room and I'm evaluating you know, how they had their day when they come home, I'm evaluating, is it safe for me to talk about this? Can I be vulnerable? So on and so forth. Now, if it is not safe, people cannot be creative. They cannot play. They can't have sex. They can't have fun because oh, yeah. the environment is unsafe. I mean, mm-hmm. think about a gazelle on a Serengeti whenever the grass ruffles. All of a sudden, ding, ding, okay, I can't keep playing whenever my life is in danger. Um, on a, on a, on a, bringing that to relationships, whenever an environment lacks safety and you cannot be vulnerable, then that doesn't allow you to explore some of these higher-order things within your relationship about how, you know, um, how I get triggered because – I can be vulnerable with my wife. She can be vulnerable with me, hopefully. And then we can have deep conversations about, hey, what's going on for you? Now, there has to be some other, you know, components of conversation and good communication that have to, you know, that, that are necessary. One, am I patient? Um, am I compassionate? Uh, if you've hurt me, am I forgiving? Do I extend grace? Um, and am I impulsive? Do I, do, I, do I respond to situations in a disproportionate way? Uh, again, there's a lot of different components within good communication. However, if you can uncover a childhood wound, oftentimes that can lead to a deeper level of understanding between you and your partner. Mm, I love it. And as you were, as I was listening to you, I was thinking the song Harder the Matter came into my head. You know, it's at the end of the day for all of us. It comes to uh, about forgiveness, forgiveness, mm. uh, even if you don't love me anymore. And I think that people don't really fall. I don't know. They don't fall out of love. They fall out of trust with one another because you know, so often we make the mistake in relationships, and I know everyone out there listening has either done it or experienced it or both, and that is taking personal information that someone is gracious enough and trust you enough to share with you, and then you turn it around and you use it against them to hurt them. Mm. 
And yeah, so yeah, that's like weaponizing with something uh, with someone that shared with you against them. Is that what I'm uh, hearing? You say? Yeah, yeah. And people do mm-hmm. it, and it's it's very damaging. And I think that's uh, that is where uh, it's hard to move forward and continue a marriage when that trust has been broken. It's so difficult to 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 recapture it. Would you agree? I agree. I, I think when someone does that, especially when it's intentional, some people do it unintentionally. You know, so yeah. I'm just going to throw yeah. this back in your face. But when it's intentional, you know, it's a little more nefarious. Typically, in my mind. I'm just trying to gain the upper hand. I'm just trying to gain mm-hmm. leverage in a conversation. Or I want you to do what I want you to do. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, I want to control you. I want to manipulate a situation, or I want to hurt you. Again, it can be for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But usually, you know, my intent whenever I throw something in your face, knowingly, probably not a good thing. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard somebody describe love as giving someone the ability to utterly destroy you and then trusting them not to. Oh, I like that. Well, that's vulnerable. That's very, you have to be yeah. very vulnerable. Yeah. To share certain things for sure. Vaughn, well, what, how, I hear you, what I hear you saying though, is that there's risk inherent in loving somebody though. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, and I so think, Marie, of the, yeah, go ahead, Marie. How do you approach therapy with someone with a situation like that, where they do throw things that you've entrusted with them back in your face? Uh, well, that's, uh, going to destroy trust. Um, and trust, as we said uh, previously, is the found, one of the foundational components in a relationship. And we have to uh, get rid of certain things within uh, the, the communication dynamic. Gottman posed what's called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we've talked about that before. And that's criticizing your partner when you make somebody right and wrong, getting defensive when you defend your ego rather than taking responsibility, uh, contempt, which is the best predictor of, of separation or divorce. That's kind of what I hear you I, I would classify weaponizing something against someone, especially if you're doing it knowingly, in the category of contempt. Mm-hmm. Um, because those are the things that can even create psychological abuse mm-hmm. uh, when, it's, uh, w- when it extends too far. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely something you got to get out. Um, and we can't allow that dynamic within a couple relationship uh, therapy. This is a great conversation, but we have to go to break. I just got the got the cue, so we're going to go to break. More coming up with Dr. Von Eaglin, everyone. We're talking about what to expect from couples therapy and should you date your ex. We're going to get to it. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Protecting your health can get pretty complicated these days. And if you're like me, you have a counter full of supplements and it can be exhausting. I think most of us like to keep things simple. I know I do. That's one of the things I like about Cardio Miracle. It's a comprehensive heart and health supplement with over 50 ingredients and antioxidants, including organic beets, carrots, coconut, pineapple, and raspberries, combined with the best amino acids, such as L-arginine, L-citrulline, and L-ornithine. These ingredients work together synergistically to promote and sustain the body's natural production of nitric oxide. Our body is amazing, and it's important to remember that it wants to be healthy. By giving it natural and bioavailable nutrients, it can keep all of our different systems in shape, and it will work in the background to achieve a better level of overall health while you go about living your life. So give it what it needs with Cardio Miracle. Find Cardio Miracle at CardioMiracle.com. That's CardioMiracle.com. Magnesium supports the health of nearly every system in the human body. 
yet it can be difficult to maintain healthy levels through diet or supplements. The ideal way to restore and maintain healthy magnesium levels is through your body's largest, most efficient organ of absorption, your skin. Be sure that your body is getting the magnesium it needs with Ancient Minerals, the number one recommended topical magnesium among health practitioners worldwide. Their lotions, highly concentrated magnesium oils, bath salts and gels make it easy to get the daily magnesium you need to thrive. And the best part? Ancient Minerals is part of Enviromedica, a name synonymous with quality and integrity. Learn more about magnesium and ancient minerals at Enviromedica.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at OneLifeRadio.com. Contagiously positive, One Life Radio is back. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Dr. Vaughn Eaglin. We are talking about what to expect from couples therapy. And uh, so, uh, Vaughn, what are some of the situations uh, when a couple really should seek therapy? Uh, well, there are a lot of different situations that could, uh, uh, you know, inspire a couple to receive couples therapy. One of the first things I would say will be definitely when they have difficulty with communication breakdowns. Um, when you just have difficulty um, communicating, there's a lot of arguing, arguing, a lot of misunderstanding, uh, misinterpretation of someone's intentions and disregarding the other person's feelings. Uh, that usually can create a lot of breakdowns in, in, in the relationship and communication barriers. And so that's definitely one of the issues that mm-hmm. I usually see coming into couples therapy. So most couples say, hey, you know what, uh, we just can't communicate with each other, and that's why we're seeking couples therapy. I would probably say one of the other bigger factors would be trust issues, uh, you know, whether it's infidelity, and there's a lot of ways that infidelity can occur, not just sexually. There can be financial infidelity and things mm-hmm. like that. But uh, if there's lies and there's broken promises and there's just really just a lack of trust, uh, you know, that can create a lot of toxicity within a relationship. Uh, sometimes I see couples coming in uh, couple therapy because they're going through a major life change. It could be like the birth of a child or we're moving or there's like chaos in our relationship, uh, you know, the death of a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, one big issue I see couples come in with is a sexual dissatisfaction. Like uh, I'm seeking, um, you know, couple therapy because my, my partner, you know, we're not having a type of sexual relationship that I desire. Mm-hmm. Or they mm-hmm. want something different than I do, or um, the satisfaction I get is just not where it needs to be, or um, my partner's not satisfied. Go ahead. I was just going to say, have you seen more of that with the rise in the popularity and usage of pornography? Oh, um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> Well, okay. I know I know uh, people that it's happened okay. to. You know, they got addicted to porn. Next thing you know, they're filing for divorce because they can't even have a normal sexual relationship. Yeah, so um, anything to me on uh, when it's when it's done too much is, is going to be unhealthy. And so um, I've seen some couples, um, you know, by and large, porn is probably not the best thing within, especially extended use of porn. It's not the best thing within a couple relationship um, because it resets the expectations. It can reset your sexual appetite. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, you create neuro, a neurosynaptic pattern in your head or whatever you're looking at. Uh, that's what I want to go and reenact, and that's what's going to turn me on. Mm-hmm. what this looks like, what this sounds like. Uh, porn is a little bit more, not a little bit, uh, a lot of times it's more about impersonal sex than personal sex. Mm-hmm. And those are two very different uh, types of sex with uh, someone. 
um, where you're objectifying someone. It's not loving and tender. If it's impersonal, it's not something that is, uh, you know, between two loving people. They're not, you know, I mean, again, just very different. And so Mm -hmm. uh, to your point, though, oftentimes sexual uh, difficulty, problems and dysfunction is much more common within relationships than people think. Most people tend to think that, you know, if I meet my, the, you know, my dream, you know, my mm-hmm. soul partner, that sex is just going to be organic. I'm going to have the best sex of my life, and we don't have to worry about that. But quite often mm-hmm. that is not the case. This is something that we have to work on, something we have to communicate, uh, something we may have to, but again, we may have to learn how to initiate sex. We may have to learn how to refuse sex in a way that still uh, makes mm-hmm. my partner feel mm-hmm. respected and uh, desired. Uh, we may have difficulty understanding what this other person wants sexually. Oftentimes, if I'm working with a couple, we help them understand um, how their partner looks at sex, um, their expectations around sex. And we'll ask a lot of open-ended questions about everything from um, oral sex to orgasms to uh, love making to sex with others to fantasies to anal sex. I mean, we talk about all these things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. If I were to ask you some questions just about orgasms, hey, is it important you have to have an orgasm anytime we have sex? Do you feel entitled to? Do you feel pressure from me or from society to have an orgasm? Uh, if I'm talking to a woman, uh, do you feel comfortable having an orgasm on your period? Like there are all these questions that I can just ask you specifically mm-hmm. just about orgasm. Let me give you an example. I had a guy come in my office one time, and he said, yeah, my wife and I married, many kids. And he said, I thought I had to have my, I thought my wife had to orgasm every single time we had sex. The wife said, no, as long as you're enjoying yourself, if I get off every now and then, I'm okay. Um, but I, I don't have to have an orgasm every time I have sex, every, every time we have sex. The guy was, he was so relieved. Oh my gosh, I never knew that. I had so much, <laughs> I, I created so much pressure on myself to always perform. Like I have to give my wife an orgasm every single time we have sex. And she was like, no, that's not the case. But that simple insight mm-hmm. helped him be able to calm some of his anxiety down and like, you know what, I have this performance anxiety. And that may have been leading to some of the erectile dysfunction in the relationship because of that performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. So again, we need to talk about these things and bring them out in the open. But again, there, there does need to be an environment where there's safety and uh, vulnerability. So we can discuss these things. But mm-hmm. uh, to your point, sexual dissatisfaction is much more common. That's a very long answer to your question. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and I, one of the things that I was thinking, I do, I feel like, you know, any addiction is not good for um, a, a relationship. It's not good for you. It's not good for the people around you. Uh, pornography is it a drug is it an addiction if you go to uh, i mean i think it's not yeah. healthy for people i just don't I, I i i just don't think it's healthy well i was looking up the numbers on pornography and the numbers were staggering in fact i was doing some research about this a couple of weeks ago um i think it was uh there are more hits to porn hub than uh facebook twitter instagram mm-hmm. and linkedin uh combined each day like daily and so i mean are people watching this um, I mean, it, you, you would have to you would have to be on the rock to believe that people aren't looking at porn, and there are a lot more people looking at porn than you think. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when we talk about uh, pornography and when it's introduced into a relationship, yes, it can cause a lot of issues because, again, we set expectations. Now, some some relationships they look at porn, and it's not it's not a big deal. They do it in moderation. Some people look at porn together. Um, some people, uh, again, I'm not here to judge in relationships. Me either. But, no, I'm just, but when we, but when we're we, just when talking. We talk addiction, <laughs> yeah, when we talk about addiction, it would be classified as what's called a process addiction, kind of like gambling. Um, can it become an addiction? Yes, it is. Or mm-hmm. yes, it can. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And I've had uh, clients come into my office with sexual addiction. Um, and, you know, I'm going to ask, I'm going to do an assessment. Hey, are you going out looking, cruising for new sexual partners? Are you getting lost in your porn uh, usage mm-hmm. where your time, you know, you don't, you know, you lose track of time. Or is this disrupting your ability to get aroused with your partner? And, like, again, if, if they're hitting a lot of check marks on a lot of these questions, and it's like, okay, but this is starting to become an addiction mm-hmm. where it's disrupting your relationship with your partner and we need to do something about it. So we need to treat it as an addiction. And mm-hmm. sometimes going to uh, SAA or Sex Addictions Anonymous or doing a, a strong round of cognitive behavioral therapy with sex or, you know, and hopefully it's not an addiction that, you know, kind of goes sideways into something, you know, uh, illegal. Uh, but oftentimes, yes, can be an issue. Yeah. Marie, what did you want to say? This is more about um, more porn Ron, stuff. How common <laughs> no? is it? How common is it for couples to come to you and say they're bored with their sexual relationship? Mm. Uh, bored, bored. <laughs> so, um, or just you know, like it's the so, would, you know it gets monotonous, or they just or yeah. they aren't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I have couples where it, it's waned. Usually with couples, you usually see this dichotomy. So some couples come in, an unstable couple is usually one where they have high conflict on average. And I'm talking about just a normal unstable couple. Um, They either have high conflict and they have difficulty communicating, or because of that conflict, they they live more of a parallel life. We're just going to do what we need to logistically. Let's get the kids raised. The fire has gone out. Uh, we're not friends anymore. We're not, you know, pursuing each other heavily. Um, you know, you're not pursuing my heart. I'm not uh, displaying affection toward you as much. Again, there's a coldness uh, within the relationship. So usually I see those two. So one is hostile, and the other one will be classified as hostile detached. And so you will probably talk, you're talking about the people who would be, you know, hostile to so this hostility, but they're very detached from each other. And oftentimes that's the couple that's going to be complaining, saying, you know what, the fire's gone out, the person doesn't pursue me, you know, we're not hot for each other anymore, um, and if somebody else comes along, sometimes I can set up a, a scenario where if someone comes along and they present those things to them, hey, what, you're pursuing me, um, I feel uh, desired, uh, that can set the tone for things like infidelity, and mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, so it's a... Uh, it, it's an issue. It's an issue. That's one thing I can yeah. say. It, it's, it's an issue. So. Yeah. I, I just popped in my head uh, that, that show on Netflix, Love is Blind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Love is That's stupid. Love is not blind. <laughs> <laughs> it's not blind. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just so crazy to watch that. I, yeah. I just found out about it a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, we need to go to break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll get your opinion on that, too, Dr. Vaughn. Uh, everyone, stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. The ecosystems of the body and the earth are inseparable. Gut health is the foundation of all health. And just as biodiversity is integral to the health of the earth's ecosystems, microbial diversity and balance are key to the health of your gut microbiome. I have been taking Enviromedica probiotics for over six years now, and I encourage you to try them as well. Rewild your gut with spore-based probiotics and wild-harvested prebiotics. Visit Enviromedica.com and check out all of their excellent products. Get reconnected to the earth with Enviromedica. That's Enviromedica.com. In the fight against corruption, together we are stronger. Join me at the Children's Health Defense Second Annual Conference, Rise and Resist. 
in Savannah, Georgia, November 3rd through the 5th, and learn how to confront corruption in big pharma, big government, big tech, big food, and all the regulatory bodies who are influenced by big corporate interests. At Rise and Resist, you'll hear from the most influential health freedom activists in the world, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Children's Health Defense Chairman on leave. Join the fight and remember, people over profits, truth over lies, courage over fear. Go to childrenshealthdefense.org to get your ticket. The Children's Health Defense Second Annual Conference, November 3rd through the 5th in Savannah, Georgia. I'll see you there. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Dr. Vaughn Eaglin. He is a licensed professional counselor supervisor uh, at Preston Place Counseling in Dallas, Texas, and serves as a mental health consultant for the Dallas Mavericks wellness team. You can find Dr. Eaglin at vontalkstherapy.com. That's vontalkstherapy.com. Or follow him on Instagram at drvontalks. That's dr.vontalks. Okay, we are talking about what to expect from couples therapy. There's different types of couples therapy, right? Um, there's like five or six different kinds. Can we go over them real quick, Vaughn? Yeah, yeah. So there are so there are some major types of couples therapy. The first one that's well known is by um, Suzanne Johnson, and it is called emotionally focused couples therapy. And emotionally focused couples therapy that's a form of couples therapy that focuses on helping people connect emotionally. Uh, whether you know it or not, all decisions have emotion based within it. Uh, at least at the at the at the end of the day, although you may come to a logical conclusion. At the, whenever you finally make the, the, the last piece of your decision, emotion will be involved in it. And so emotionally focused couples therapy is probably one of the primary ways that uh, people can connect. A lot of therapists uh, are trained, and I'm trained in Gottman Method Couple Therapy. That takes emotionally focused couples therapy, um, and it actually uh, blends it into the therapy. So I, I really enjoy John Gottman because he is the person who created the first empirically validated couples therapy. In other mm -hmm. words, they can predict what's going to happen with a couple based on what they're seeing. Yeah, uh, and really a, go ahead. I was just going to say he did it with his wife, too. I think she's been on the show several years ago, a long time ago. She was on the show, I think. His that's wife? Correct. So they, yeah. they're, they're, they're both, and yes, they both run the Gottman Institute. I believe that's up in Seattle, Washington. I've actually mm -hmm. visited it only one time uh, to get some training there. But uh, yeah, Gottman Method Couple Therapy, to, to me, is the preeminent form of couple therapy because it blends not only art but also science. Um, and there's uh, 40 years of research that's gone into that couple therapy. And another therapy that I also practice is what's called a model relationship therapy. And that goes back to that childhood wound and how childhood really influences uh, how you behave within your uh, relationship with your partner. But there are a few other forms of couple therapy that are effective, cognitive, behavioral. I think Gottman has a little bit of that. Uh, and how you perceive your partner is really important. What are you telling yourself? Narrative therapy, um, really the story that's behind a lot of what you do. Um, sex therapy, um, and then some couples even do solution-focused therapy. But at the end of the day, it's important that you do a little bit of research, try to figure out the background of the therapist that you're mm -hmm. seeking uh, or the type of therapy that you're seeking. And if that couple's therapist can specialize or if they work with that uh, uh, type of therapy that you're seeking, then you can definitely uh, check them out and, and go with them uh, for their services. Mm -hmm. What what were you going to say, Marie? Well, so Vaughn, can you tell by uh, working with a couple if they're going to make it or not, just in a few sessions? And do you tell them uh, that? 
Uh, yes. Well, I tell them that. Um, I, how, how I structure that is probably uh, important. I may say, if this continues, this is not going to go well. You know, mm-hmm. so I may, uh, mm-hmm. I may preface it that way. However, um, I, I've been doing this a long period of time. And anything you do for a long period of time, you begin to be able to, uh, to thin slice. I can see very quickly, like, this is not going uh, mm-hmm. where it needs to go. For instance, uh, when a couple comes to my office, I do this thing called an, uh, an oral history interview where I ask them all uh, hist- historical questions without, uh, about their relationship. And mm-hmm. how they look back on their relationship is highly indicative of the success of their relationship. A couple other things can predict um, as well, of course. But if a couple looks back on their relationship like, you know, it was us against the world, that's a good thing. But if they mm-hmm. look back on it and there are a lot of negative memories that tells me that it's going to be harder to stoke the flame of desire mm-hmm. within a relationship, mm-hmm. especially if there's a lack of trust. Um, another uh, point that I see oftentimes is how men respond to, especially in heterosexual relationships, how a man responds to a woman's complaints is also highly predictive of the success of the relationship because when men dismiss a woman's complaints, so they deny them, um, they, they, they don't attend to them. Oftentimes that leads to an escalation in conflict because um, just statistically, women bring more complaints inside of a relationship. Y'all women, I mean, you're going to say what's on your mind. Yeah, hey, you know what? You're not taking the trash out here, buddy. What's going on here? Um, and, and this is getting into another topic, but men, we need that. We need those guardrails. Mm-hmm. But how, how a man responds to a woman's complaints is highly predictive. Um, the communication style, if there's a lot of contempt, that's going to predict separation or divorce. And just statistically, at the end of the day, when there are more, actually, let's say like this, the five to one ratio, you have to have at least five positive interactions to every one negative interaction mm, to I be remember. classified as a, as a stable relationship. Yeah. And when that ratio falls below, uh, not a good thing because one mm. person is going to say I'm unhappy. One is about one to one or worse. So you have one positive for one, every one negative interaction. Usually, again, separation is pretty imminent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't happen organically. You have to build those positive interactions in your it's relationship. Work. Yeah. It's work. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's working. And is it ever too late to try couples therapy or, you know, if you, if, uh, what do you think? Yeah, couples, th- yeah, couples therapy is not the uh, best for certain types of relationships. You know, if there's abuse, domestic violence, and, and I see, you know, and I need to, you know, differentiate this. There are certain forms of abuse, certain forms of domestic violence. Um, it's weird to say it like that, but there's, if I classify one as situational, you know, mm-hmm. we had a spat, you know, mm-hmm. I threw something across the room. That's different than someone who has had a knife pulled on them and stabbed and there's been blood spilled mm-hmm. and I'm going to the hospital. Like, you know, there are levels to this thing. And so yeah. um, if, there's, if there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of controlling, if there's where you're socially isolating me, you're humiliating mm-hmm. me, there's gaslighting, a lot of emotional abuse. Like, you know, we're starting to get into comorbid issues where couples therapy may not be the best. Uh, for that relationship because it's just too toxic for um, for the relationship dynamic to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so not every couple is made for couple therapy. Uh, if, uh, if, there's, if there's abuse or uh, trauma that's being, you know, in the relationship, then I'm going to make those recommendations as necessary. Uh, and sometimes that even may, may even be creating a safety plan for one party who's in the relationship if it's necessary to. So, um, so yeah, so every mm-hmm. relationship is different, but you just have to assess for what they need. Yeah, well, there's so much here, more that I'd love to talk about. I've got uh, we, we prepared this for, this is really like two shows, but I'm going to ask the question because we teased it. We've only got about 30 seconds. Dating an ex, what do you think? Yes or no? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes or no. Uh, 
I think you need to consider uh, reasons why you broke up. There's a reason that you broke up in the first place. Um, have you grown? Have you had some personal growth? Are there any residual feelings that, you know, that you, you know, for instance, if you fear being alone, that's not a reason to get back into it. Yeah. You know, well, we're going to uh, talk. It, it, you, you know. Yeah, like we're going to talk. old McDonald's French fries. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though. You know, sometimes there's a. Uh, there's still some fire in the pot. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so easy to forget the bad times. That's sometimes. right. That's right. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk more about it next time you're on Dr. Vaughn. Everyone, I encourage you to go to his website, uh, VaughnTalksTherapy.com or on Instagram at Dr. Vaughn Talks. Vaughn, always great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Vaughn. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, yeah. And don't forget, check out the... Uh, the, uh, uh, the Guinness, Guinness World Record. Go to iceshaker.com. Go to yes. iceshaker and get all the details. We will be there. All right, everyone. You get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. Get out there today and make the most of it. <laughs>